It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. Yep, it's news again because we're catching up on the news and I'm joined with Annette, Luthi, Lion, Lion. You know, someone uh, that listens to the Cultural Hall, I can't remember who this was, contacted me the other day and you're like, oh, you know, you got the nickname of, you know, you know, just Joni and you've got uh, Corey K. Ward, Korahor or the Pharaoh and there's Mr. Mayor and all these things. And <laughs> and people are like, what's your nickname? I've never heard you say your nickname. And I'm like, I don't I don't do that. I don't know. No, he, he bestows them. Yes, I am the That's bestower of Nick's names. Uh, I don't uh, take them on myself. And quite technically, if you ask my family, Richie T is my nickname because they're like, your name is Rick. I don't know why you have people call you Richie T. You are Rick because that's what I was for the first 20 years of my life. See, I, I can't I can't grasp it. You're not Rick to me, obviously. No. I've never known you as Rick. But then that's how my, my husband, you know, he's technically born Robert. As a kid, he went by Robbie. Uh-huh. And then when he was in about fifth grade-ish or ballpark his grandmother embroidered these little pillowcases for all the grandchildren with their names on them and his said robert and he goes mom my name is robbie and she goes oh sweetheart robbie is just the nickname your full name is robert and he had this massive identity crisis (laughs) so he's like then i am being called robert yeah that is it and so he was robert all the way through high school um except he had a job where someone called him bob which no Um, yeah. And then once he went to college, of course, the trauma is gone by that point. He's like, you know what? New start. I'll go by Rob. So to this day, I can tell when someone knew him. If we were walking along when we were dating, I, someone said, hey, Robert. I'm like, high school friends. Take yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. <laughs> and his cousins I, still call him Robbie. Yeah. It's an, ama- yeah, it's an amazing gift to having the, uh, the changing name. Uh, it is why when I turned 50, which I'm, I'm closer to today than I was yesterday. As uh, we all. Uh, but I, I, but I also just had a birthday, uh, this last week. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, I will be Dick Stedman after 50. I will move. You're going by Dick. I will transcend from Richie T to Dick. Even like with all, even. I don't know. I I haven't decided. Um, but, but it has always been the joke and might very well be, uh, coming into fruition with becoming a Dick. See, I can see brother Kyle approving. Yeah, but there's just so many possibilities for jokes there. That sure, I don't sure. Know. Uh, well, and if you want to get real technical, uh, Brother Kyle has called me a dick for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. That yeah, tracks. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, other new things. Very exciting. Uh, as I record this at the Homesteadio 2 Electric Boogaloo, uh, we are getting a fence for my sweet dog, Robert, so that when I let him out outside, I don't have to watch him. And it is Yay. the greatest thing ever. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Also, I'm in the wrong business. Fences cost so much money. I need to right? go into the fence business. It's unreal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I keep running into things like that, too. Like I, I, I this different type of business, but I see a massage therapist when I can because I have you know, chronic pain and sure. stuff. And every time I pay her, I'm like, oh, she's worth it. And then I'm like, compared to what I make per hour <laughs> yeah. as a writer, I'm like, wow, I'm in the wrong business. Why do I do this? And then yeah, you know, some friends and I we always had this joke that there are far easier ways to make very little money than yeah. being a writer. Yeah, and I tried turning do. tricks and no one was interested. Not a <laughs> single soul. I offered myself for tricks and no one yeah. was interested. And I thought, well, maybe it's not as easy as everyone claims. There you go. Is that what you were insinuating? Maybe yeah. I missed. <laughs> no, no, not that kind of massage therapy. <laughs> 
Maybe I maybe I misunderstood what you were saying. And every massage therapist who's listening to this is like yelling. Oh, you're sullying the industry because, you know, they all get those questions. And it's always. And I've heard horror stories. I dated on a time a massage therapist who said you would not believe what people try and do. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. Uh, what's what's new with you? Any awards? Any <laughs> oh yes, all published. Uh, well, I've stopped my woman's suspense that's coming out in the spring. I've got my edits, and I'm working on those. Um, so that's exciting to get your you know notes from a, your editor and have my favorite one so far is that she just had this highlight in the corner and she goes, "This is such a good chapter," and you go, "Yes." yes. <laughs> you know? Because there's other things you need to change and fix and tweak. And you're like, ah, oh, she's right. Dang it, I have to fix that. You know, but had to have, you know, your national editor go, this is a great chapter. This is that's, awesome. That's great. awesome. That sort that's of good. validation. Oh, yeah. I, I, we haven't had an opportunity to talk either, but I, um, when I was doing a wedding, what with my company, best oh, yes. DJ in Utah.com, uh, I, I was at a venue and the, one of the, uh, one of the videographers, I want to say, uh, probably. She, yeah. Yeah. She looked very familiar to me and, and seemed also very pleasant to me. Everyone seem is seemingly pleasant, but she was, I'm like, like more so. Yeah. Like I really like this individual and you know, th- this is going swimmingly. And, um, and, and, and then, uh, I think that she actually brought it up. She said, do you know, Annette Lyon? And I said, Oh yeah. Luthy Lyon. Sure that's my mom. And I said, Oh my goodness, you yeah. <laughs> are the, uh, the videographer or photographer that did all this stuff for when brother Kyle got married. Yep. And she's like, yes, that was me. And I don't know if she told you that I did this, but I hugged her and I wouldn't let her go. And I was like, seriously, thank you. <laughs> um, for, for what you did. Didn't for brother tell me Kyle. That yeah. No. It was, it was hilarious. She's like, okay, we're done. And I'm like, Nope, Nope. Almost, we're almost done. I made a joke out of it, but I'm pretty sure she was like, "What kind of friends do my, does my no, mom?" As, on the good with? side, we're a very huggy family, yeah. so it probably didn't freak her. So my end of the story was, I get a text from her, and she's like, "Mom, um, so how did she phrase it in her text? I could look it up probably, but it basically was like." Um, so, oh, is it, there was a screenshot. She's like, are you friends with the, you know, do you know this guy? This is Richie. And then she's like, oh, wait a minute. You are friends with him on Instagram. You, this is, that's gotta be the right guy. I'm like, yeah, that's totally Richie. Uh-huh. And then a few minutes later, she's like, I talked to him and he remembered me and I'm like, get a picture. It's not, I mean, I meant to put it on the Instagram. I haven't yet, but, but you guys, of course it's you mugging all goofy. Yeah. I but, would yeah. never, I would never object. Oh, never. You can find us uh, on Instagram at the cultural hall. So, so lots of exciting things uh, and certainly a lot of news going on. Shall we take a break and get to the news? Absolutely. Best DJ in Utah.com. That is the website. If you would like to hire me to come and to be at your event. Now uh, I've done weddings and uh, family reunions and I've had the opportunity to gather with folks just uh, for a party. I have yet to do a funeral uh, and so I, I don't want to say it with such exuberance, but I'm willing to play the music at a funeral. And I know that some people have really started to turn uh, the passing of someone into a party. Not that we're celebrating that they're gone. No, that's not what I'm saying. Take that back. Come on, Richie. I'm just saying the opportunity to be able to gather and celebrate the life of an individual. This suddenly got really dark and I didn't mean it to. The point is, if uh, you have an event, an activity that you need music to be played for, why not considering 
consider rather hiring me, uh, you go to bestdjinutah.com. Windows 11 computers are here from $29 a month. PCLaptops.com. Here in the second block, we do actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. Uh, Coming up in the third block, we do have another edition of the Temple Ticker with uh, Corey the Pharaoh Ward, uh, where we talk about some of the groundbreakings and announcements and changes in renderings. Uh, So make sure you stick around for that. And you can find all the show notes for the Temple Ticker, as well as the stories that we mention um, in the show notes at theculturalhall.com. And a shout out to Megan, who goes through, she listens to the episodes and says, oh, you guys talked about this and then this and provides the uh, show notes for that. Huge help. Could not do that without her because she's very thorough. And we all probably know uh, I'm maybe not so thorough. I have a good heart. My intentions are in the right place, but it it takes a village. Um, I thought this was interesting. There was a a story recently because they're wrapping up the uh, Book of Mormon videos, right? And they're doing um, feature stories on like the people who have been a part of it. And they're doing, you know, stories about uh, the casting folks, which shout out to Molly Jenny. Uh, She's been involved with the casting of some of these Book of Mormon videos. Um, But they're talking about what we can anticipate in season five of the Book of Mormon videos. And I just think it's so funny because it's videos about the Book of Mormon. <laughs> but but they're talking Spoilers. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're talking about it like we like we don't have this story or like we haven't read ahead and know, you know, about Moroni and Helaman and all these things. And, and they really are. They're like, you won't believe what happens. And no I'm like, way. Uh, is it Captain Moroni? Is that, is that okay, I something? assume it would be like, this time we're going to get this far. Yeah. And then yeah. here's a, it'll be a cool thing to watch when Moroni does this, yeah. as you know, what's happening, but sure. we show it in a cool way, but not yes. like, guess what? Guys? Yeah. No, it's straight up is like, listen, this is, oh, wow. this is what might be coming. Um, Elder Mike. These- young men yeah. go and fight yeah yeah <laughs> never uh, El- guess. elder michael dunn uh general authority 70 and my former boss uh That's talks right. about how these are some iconic marquee moments of the book of mormon and it's just excited because they're quote big epic really hollywood style moments that people who have read the book of mormon have long visualized and my hat's off to the filmmakers because they are trying to pull off something that people have been like okay this better be as good as I always depicted it. And so far, he says, it's been amazing. I hope so. See, that and that was actually one of my concerns with it. When people have tried to make, not even, you know, church sponsored, but years ago when like the whole LDS film thing became a thing and they did well, at least one, if not two Book of Mormon ones. Ooh. I, ugh, yeah, people were like, oh, you can tell that the, those beers were glued on and was all yeah. bed sheets for costumes. And I just kept thinking, Back to what Steven Spielberg did back in the day. He wanted to make Schindler's List for many, many years mm-hmm. and waited until he knew he was good enough. Yeah, to be able to do the story. Yeah. And I thought, okay, if you're not, if you're a beginning filmmaker, let's not start with an epic story. Yeah. yeah. Just the thoughts. So I'm, I'm I'm hoping you're that they're right, that this is really, really not the church has the resources to do it really well. Sure. Whether they spend that money on it. Sure. We'll see. Yeah. So. Yeah. So excited to be able to uh, to see that. What uh, news stories do you have? So here's one that I thought was fascinating. Um, we are always told that, um, you know, until so in 2016, iPhones and, and other smartphones got that feature. You could turn on like the night shift 
uh-huh. help avoid the blue light. Yeah, um, you can get a blue light filter or you can do like the black on white or whatever that thing is. Exactly. And specifically, the blue light is supposed to keep you awake at night um, and, and screw with your sleep. It turns out BYU did a study that kind of debunked that. Um, So uh, BYU psychology professor Chad Jensen and researchers from the Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center um, compared the sleep outcomes of individuals in three categories, those who use their phone at night with the night shift function turned on, those who use their phone at night without it, and those who did not use a smartphone in bed um, before bed at all. And he says in the whole sample, there were no significant differences across the three groups. Hmm. So it goes into a little bit more detail as far as like if you know, if you compared those who were sleeping closer to the seven or eight hours they recommend, there was a slight difference on those who didn't use phones at all. They fared better, but basically the night shift thing is a myth. It doesn't really affect our sleep like we thought it did. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how about that? Go BYU. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I always have that filter on and I, and I end up just laying in doom regardless yeah. of the filter being on, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Paralyzed by comparison, whether or not the blue light filter is on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, mean, I will say that. So the, I, I do know like an, an actual sleep therapy and this does help that you can buy like prescription level blue lights to help train your brain when to wake up. That's for the delayed sleep phase syndrome, which runs in ADHD families. Hi, uh-huh. raising our hand. Hello. Um, and that can help wake you up in the morning. But I think the theory was don't use your phone at night because I can screw up the same thing. But it's, it must be a different kind of wavelength. So, yep. uh, blue yeah. light at night, as the old thing says, sailors delight. Blue light in the morn, ADHD be warned. I think is how the old <laughs> adage goes. That, that's exactly it. If you haven't seen if you haven't seen the video of this yet, the flooding in Yellowstone, which three of the four entrances as of this recording have reopened, uh, just devastating the amount of of water that just ripped apart uh, that that part of Yellowstone National Park. Uh, Everyone probably seen the massive I think it's one of the lodges or one of the, you know, rangers where you're like, oh, oh." and it's one of those videos where you're like, oh, is that going to oh, is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. And then the entire building sort of floats down the river and you're like, that's cool, except it's 100% devastating. Um, There is an article that was circulated about um, how the Yellowstone's flooding is affecting Latter-day Saints. And it was interesting to note that as soon as the flooding began to occur at the Bozeman, Montana stake, which includes the Gardner branch where church members that live in towns near Yellowstone's North entrance would attend. They said, listen, we see that the rain is coming and it became a hub for several people to be able to go and to stay, to be able to find other people for resources to be dropped off. And so at the second that they realized, Hey, this is what's going on. It's one of those cool stories about the church mobilizing and saying, yeah, we've got the resources here. We are right here. Let's do it. So that's awesome. Devastating, obviously, to Yellowstone. Glad that some of those things are starting to be repaired. It will be years before it's back to how it was. Um, But I know several people, a lot of Latter-day Saint families who plan to spend some of their summer at Yellowstone may be able to enjoy some of that, but certainly not Not uh, as much as they thought. So, so yeah. What else you got? Well, let's see. So this is kind of a... I, I, I stumbled across a Twitter account and then it turned out like, wow, this is, this is a big news thing. So there's this guy, I didn't know who he was, but apparently tech people are like, this is, he's like the big deal. Josh Coates apparently is this big tech, massive dude um, across the world. And he's a 
member of the church and lives in Utah now, uh, hasn't always served a mission in Boston and all these different things. Um, he's been a CEO of various stuff that's gone IPOs and whatnot. He, he has created a new website and he's got all the socials and stuff to go with it. And the socials, the social media accounts share like silly memes about church stuff and whatever. Um, but he's created the B.H. Roberts Foundation. So B.H. Roberts, for those who don't know, he was a church historian back in the day. And so he created um, that foundation and all of his socials are under Mormon R or Mormoner without the an E at the, I don't know. I don't know how so like doing. Mormon R. Er, yeah. But he has a lot, it's a lowercase. So it's, I think it's a Mormoner. Sure. I don't know. Anyway. But for people um, trying to find it, if they go with the ER, they won't find it. It's correct. Mormon R. Yes. Um, and so he says um, he's trying to build a comprehensive database of primary source records related to complex faith related topics. So he, he says, um, quote, it's never been done before and it just seems like something that should exist. So far, he and his team have collected more than 6,000 primary source records. Um, and so he talks about on his mission, he actually read a bunch of, you know, anti-literature and he goes, that was kind of dangerous, I guess, for a missionary, but I wanted to know where people I was teaching, you know, where they were coming from. And so he's created this massive database and um, um, the way he phrases the whole thing as a Mormonar is one of those things that is intended to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. We want to challenge people with data, but do so in a safe and faithful context. So there's a whole article about him and the whole project we will link to, but it's kind of I fascinating love it. stuff. I love it. And I'll definitely have to reach out to Josh. You said his name is Josh Coates yep. to be able to get him in the cultural hall and, and figure out what he's all about and, and be able to get more of his story from his own mouth. Uh, Roots Tech coming back in yes, person in 2023. Uh, we'll still have the massive, and it, that's their words, massive uh, online conference. But in addition, you can uh, come to Utah, come to Zion, come to Zion. March 2nd through the 4th, 2023, uh, and join with Family Search. Uh, they are going to have their 13th year of this global gathering. In 2022, over 3 million people participated online. Uh, each year, the event organizers adapt the content to appeal to people worldwide and to stay current. Next year will be no different, it says. I don't have in front of me any... Uh, like speakers or keynotes or anything like that. We may be a little bit early for, for that, but I know that little conference that your husband came up with all on his own and runs all on his own. Exactly, all by himself. Tech. Yep, all by himself. Uh, little little Robbie Lyon uh, able to do that. <laughs> um, pretty cool, pretty cool. But yeah, the wild thing though is if you remember like in 2021 with the pandemic when they went entirely um, virtual, they that's what that was when other um bednar was like well let, let's shoot for a million you know plan uh -huh. and they're like yeah right yeah right yeah. and then they crossed a million and then the next year was three million so it's it's yeah i mean growing. one idea from your husband and now look where it is <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> i'm gonna get in trouble if you know no no that. everybody no. knows it robbie lyon thanks robbie uh what else do you have so a couple, just a small one here. This is kind of interesting. An official um, letter from the church dated June 20th talked about some of the, the changes coming with come follow me as we can move forward with the manuals. Um, at, here's one wild thing is that like 2023 will be the first year we start over with the same manual we had before. How sure. weird is that? Yeah. I didn't realize we'd had it that long. That is so crazy. So we're repeating this, the new manual. Um, and now 
they will no longer be just offering a new manual to everybody, every family or, or household in um, a congregation. Um, you have to, you can ask for them and then you can get one, but they won't just be like automatically printed and shipped and handed out to everybody. Um, and they're going to encourage more and more um, using the digital app instead of the paper, um, especially because they can do fixes and updates and clarifications and changes that are needed on the digital that obviously would not be in the print. So, mm-hmm. um, so you get those two changes. So the push toward the digital and the fact that you have to ask for a, a free manual on paper if you want one. I'll but, be curious. Yeah. I'll be curious to see uh, all of these like podcasts and YouTube channels that have been come follow me. Yeah. Come come follow <laughs> up. Come follow him. Come mm-hmm. follow. Like all of the different things that have occurred. Like, are they going to go back and revamp and say, you know, last time we did this? Are they going to link to the previous thing? Are they just going to download and rebroadcast it? I'll be curious. That's sort yeah. of a, a side thing for me that I just. That to me is curious. I'm excited to see what they do with it and how they do it. Um, my hope is that- new stuff. I'll bet they because they want to maintain a uh, viewership or an audience. I'll bet sure. they'll do new stuff. Sure, I would agree. Yeah. But we'll how see. difficult that will be yeah. if they were super comprehensive the first go round, or you know, what will they go for? And then do you listen to the old and the new? And how do you you know how do you yeah. make that available for folks in a way that makes uh, it easy to do. A couple um, sort of uh, adjacent LDS things. Uh, The Book of Mormon on Broadway just passed 4,000 performances of the show, The Book of Mormon on Broadway. Uh, If you have watched Under the Banner of Heaven, uh, previous guest of the Cultural Hall, McKay Coppins, um, who writes for The Atlantic, he wrote... Uh, an article called Under the Banner of Hulu, sort of his response to Under the Banner of Heaven and what he feels like uh, they may have gotten very, very wrong. If you have watched it and you're thinking, you know what, this doesn't represent me. I I don't care for this. Or how should I feel about this? I've got feelings and I don't know what to do with them. I think that for many, uh, what McKay Coppins over at the, the, the Atlantic wrote will resonate. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I always appreciate any of his writings, which, you know, he, he knows. I told him so. It was one of those interviews where I went, you're so great. And he's like, I know this is getting awkward. Can we please move on to something else? Don't uh, hug but, me so long, Richie. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I could have, I would have. I would have awkwardly long hugged McKay Coppins. Uh, but I encourage you in the show notes to, to read that. Uh, it's just his sort of opinion of Under the Banner of Heaven. And then also we'll leave a link. Um, for the uh, the interview that we did with McKay Coppins, if people want to go back and listen to that. It's much easier if you're a Patreon saint to be able to listen to that episode, um, but we can definitely make it available for you to listen to. So I encourage you to go do that. What other news stories do you have? Just, uh, this is kind of a short one again, um, which, and it's something though that I really appreciate. Um, the church, this is in the Official, official statement in the church newsroom about the importance of water conservation and the how the church in the west of the U.S. Um, there's you know massive droughts going on right now, and they are going to be taking additional measures on landscaping and watering of church-owned properties, like chapels and temples, to conserve water. And also, they're encouraging members to do the same, which I really appreciate because I remember you know in past droughts, it's like wow, every single chapel has a beautiful green lawn, and so. Yeah. Um, I imagine that we may still have greenish lawns, but they'll probably be learning, you know, figuring out like, oh, it's water more at night and do a drip system. And, or maybe they'll be pulling out grass and adding zero scaping. I don't know, but the, I appreciate that they're looking at the issue and recognizing that we need to 
be good citizens as far as our water consumption goes. So, well, yeah. it's in, it's interesting here where I live in Taylorsville, uh, adjacent to the chapel that I go, the church owns a massive field, which it is fenced off, but it is like a field you could play soccer in. It is a massive uh, field. And then there's, um, I forget the word that the a bowery is what they call it. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's essentially a pavilion with picnic tables, but it's, it's all locked up. Um, and, and I would maintain, um, that I love that they keep that grass green. I think that we should open it up certainly more to the community to make it so that everyone can sort of enjoy that grass, especially if we're going to keep watering it because it is very green. Yeah, like a but, park. Yeah. 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 But, but I also, uh, also on the same road of which I live, there's another chapel where it has this big swath of green grass as you get sort of the approach from the sidewalk to the front of the chapel that is never going to be used. And I think it would go a really long way with members of the church and certainly here in the state of Utah that if we looked at it and said, I know there's going to be a cost in this, but let's start the process, even if it's a little by little or every year we take out some of this and do something different. If we started that process of like, we are adjusting this to be more water wise, there's no sense in, Mm -hmm. you know, putting in big things of lawn. Uh, We're in the process of kind of doing the landscape here at our house and, and, and where my tendency, because it's easy is to have just lots of grass that I can mow and do it in one thing. Like we're thinking what is water wise that looks beautiful, that is easy to maintain, that also could complement the, uh, you know, the landscape here. So it's something that yeah. as the church encourages that, that limited use, like if we don't, it, it's not something that's just going to happen. We have to make the conscious effort right. to, to put it into place. And I think one challenge um, on a church level, and I think this is one of those things where I think we do well as far as I mean, we meaning, you know, church organization, not me, but, um, you know, they, they're very aware of the widow's might on the one hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes that can lead to long-term spending more money when it's short-term spending less. So it mm-hmm. looks better today. Um, and so it's, I mean, I've heard stories about like, you know, a, a chapel that has, you know, rat infestations and so they have every year they have to pay you know an exterminator to come and get rid of the rats um but if they were to you know fill in the concrete holes that are allowing them in that would cost a whole lot more up front but then would never have the problem again right but it's the upfront cost that it's like but that's a lot of money you know and right. so it's certain people in certain positions i don't think this is you know the 12 or whoever this is like what one of my friends calls church middle management the ones uh-huh. that are kind of like Anyway, so it's, I think that's probably one of the challenges, just my personal guess that, sure, yeah, looking at the zero scaping or whatever to help, you know, yank stuff out and add rocks or cactuses or whatever. Um, I don't know, but it'll be trying to convince certain people to open up the purse strings today to save money later will be a challenge, but I think I it's also- wise and needed. I also think, and it's curious that the church would make it like this, um, this big announcement like they did. I think it's also so that people in the church when they see like the LA temple, for example, and the, and the grass will die or brown out in there in mm-hmm. California that they're like, guys, it's cool. It's fine. We know. Right. And I think that's maybe why they made that bigger declaration. It's like, we are aware that this is going on. Don't feel mm-hmm. like it is the, you know, the lackadaisical nature of these people or people are going against this. Like we are aware. And, and it really just is a perception thing. For some reason, 
you know, we think green grass means success and beauty and all these things. And that just has to be sort of perceived differently. Exactly. Um, speaking of perception uh, and how we need to look at things differently, when we think about uh, pageants in the church, we probably think they're all gone. There's no more pageants anymore, right? We don't do them anymore. Not the case, said President Goodmanson. Uh, he is out in Nauvoo. They're the leaders of the church's pageants in Nauvoo. Uh, you can go out and see the traditional Nauvoo pageant and also the British pageant. Um, there is a, an article that is linked at the show notes at theculturalhall.com. Well, wait, what's the British pageant? Is that also in Nauvoo? Yeah, it's part it, It's part of it. Like one night you can see one and one night you can see other or like the afternoon is the British. Um, it tells the story of the British hmm. folks that come to Nauvoo. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Because, yeah, we, we went to Nauvoo. This, this is actually so my daughter that met you, Megan, before she mm. went on her mission. She goes, let's do a family trip. I want to do some church history sites. And literally within like 12 hours, she had an itinerary for us. And like <laughs> it was hilarious. It, it was great. So but yeah, so we went to Nauvoo and we saw the pageant. And I thought that was that was it. We wouldn't it wouldn't be there again. So that we must have seen the regular Nauvoo one, though, not the yeah. British one. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I, as I understand it, it's the saints that come there. Uh, maybe we need to get the Goodmanson's on to tell us about what go. the difference of those two things is. Uh, Gary Boatwright, who is also quoted in this uh, article, he and I have corresponded on Twitter and we just can't seem to get schedules right, but he's in charge of all of the church historic sites. Um, cool. and he is anxious to get into the cultural hall. So Gary, nice. I don't, I haven't forgotten you, Gary Boatwright, elder Boatwright will get you. I promise. Um, the article is titled what you need to know before visiting church sites this summer. And uh, one is that the pageants aren't closed down. Two is that lots of people will be there. So be patient and don't be a jerk. They say it a little bit different. <laughs> uh, but, but if you boil it down, uh, there is also a Navu app where you can get electronic tickets to be nice. able to do uh, wagon and carriage tours. So it's worth getting online for that. Oh, I was um, hoping the app would like guide you through. You could like self walking tours or see what different sites are, and that would that would be cool. I, Do that. I'm surprised people. that there isn't some of that. Uh, you can also um, still enjoy the virtual tours that occurred uh, during the pandemic. Those are still available online. So if you're like, oh man, I really want to, but I can't get out there. Money's, you know, I had to pay for gas at the gas station today, and that wiped out. <laughs> my vacation. You can be able to enjoy those online and several of those are still available. Um, so you can, you can check that out, uh, that link to that particular story about what you need to know before you go at the culturalhall.com. Really, this is a good time for gas prices to go up now that you aren't making that huge commute. Just Amen. Amen, yeah. sister. Inspired. I was inspired. You I were. can't imagine. Well, and then when the, the last time we had the big recession and whatever, and gas prices were starting to go up, that's when I got my Prius. Yeah. And see? now, even now I'm like, ha 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 people. Yeah. See, <laughs> we're trying to be like a net. The, yes. The, the oh, song okay. doesn't fit the same. Funny it's too many story. Syllables. My, um, my, my brother, my older, my older brother is a retired police officer. Um, but he was telling a family story several years ago about, you know, like when he pulled over this, you know, he goes, these two cars, there's an SUV and a stupid little Prius. And they were both going the same amount over. Um, and so, he goes, so of course I pulled over the Prius mm -hmm. and I, I started laughing. He looks at me and goes, what? And I'm like, um, he goes, no, you're not going to buy a Prius. Are you? You're not yeah. <laughs> like, 
that's really good with gas of mileage yeah. i swear and he just was like oh my gosh no because i guess his experience with prius owners is has hadn't been great but well, like well, stupid little prius i mean like because yeah. both, both cars are going the same amount over turned out there, it was like a judge and he's like oh hey your honor sorry anyway <laughs> there there is an attitude around each of the different cars it's funny oh, yeah. how people gravitate towards different things i notice with people so my particular car is a rav4 and I notice there's sort of an attitude of RAV4 drivers. Normally it's ornery and telling your kids to shut up. That's what, you know, there's yoga pants that are part of it and yeah, mm-hmm. some element of, of honoriness towards the, your children. There's, there's, um, there's a lot of attitude of people assuming what I'm like because I drive a Prius and my right. family thought I was kidding until like they would drive and like, wow, that, we had like this Ford F-150 tailgating me and honking at me and this other car was cutting me off. I'm like, I know. <laughs> You're like this, you're the stupid little thing. I mean, while I'm like, I filled up my entire car for a whole lot less than you did. Yeah. Well, and also like when I think about the smart cars, like there is definitely like those itty bitty cars. I mean, Priuses aren't like that. Scare the heck out of me. But there is definitely an attitude uh when you're like, this is the best idea that I could come up with is this car. There is something about those individuals as well. Uh what else you got? Um, just let's see, a uh, little, little guess here. There are three countries that are home to more than half of the church's stakes in Europe. What are they? Hmm. Three. So let me make sure I'm guessing right. There's three stakes. No, there's three countries. Three countries and that make up the majority of the church. Of the church's stakes in Europe. In Europe. It is, the first uh, one's going to be obvious. Is the United think. Kingdom part of Europe? Yes. Okay, then United Kingdom. Yes. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. And then I'm thinking, um, let's see. And then I'm thinking uh, Germany. Yes. Okay. Okay. Number, and, United Kingdom is one. Germany is number three. See, so okay, so in the so, middle is the one I wouldn't have necessarily. Uh, is it Luxembourg is the answer? <laughs> Luxembourg. <laughs> the teeny tiny one. Yeah. No. It's Spain. Spain, okay. which I did not guess. So that was it. They, they're only one apart. One. So Spain has 15 stakes and Germany has 14 stakes. Interesting. Um, but Europe currently has 130 stakes, and 10 years ago it was 115. So we're getting more than one stake a year at this point. In Way Europe, to which go, is Europe! Actually, because Europe is it, that's a hard place to you know baptize people. So sure. that actually is kind of a big deal. We're getting one stake for nearly billion of people. Perfect. We're yes. crushing it. <laughs> Way to go, Europe. Uh, I thought this was interesting, just as a thing that I didn't know, uh, and this came up in the news feed. Uh, sometimes I I get stories and I decide, yeah, you know, I'm not going to share them. Or other times I go, yeah, you know, I will share that. Um, Julianne Huff, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, a self-identified member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also bisexual. I didn't know that. Does she still consider herself a member or does she consider herself a former member? So it's interesting. I think that it's one of these things where she considers herself sort of culturally Mormon. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, you know, she says, I come from a Mormon background where it it, it hasn't been looked on as something that's accepted, but I know that my parents, my friends, my family love me. They're proud of me. And so I had a really good experience talking about her um, bisexuality and the church. Uh, I I just thought it was sort of interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And, the article talks about how she added that her brother, who is also on Dancing with the Stars, uh, he helps her a lot. They help each other and balance each other out. And so I just thought it was an interesting um, thing because I didn't know. And so 
you know, that's what we sometimes do here in the news, but also that she, as I continue to read through this, she does in fact continue to, you know, call herself Mormon, whatever that means. To so, her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And she's on Broadway and she's in Broadway right now doing a show. And so there was a really fun um, a little TV thing about um, Broadway shows and, and musicals. Oh, actually, it was it was musicals in film and his, this she and her brother did not too long ago. And they had these. It was hilarious and awesome. They had, you know, little cameos of Kevin Bacon when they did a, a footloose scene. And oh, cool. um, they did. There's a singing in the rain. one. I mean, it's, it's this whole like hour and a half or a special. But I can't remember what it's called now. I'll find it and we'll put a link in the show notes. Perfect. Um, but it's a really cute. It was a, if you enjoy musicals, you'll love it. It's fun. And, and don't forget Julianne Huff in the Footloose remake of a exactly. few years back. Yes, yes, yes. Not as good as the original, but I'll take it. Amen, right? You know, that beats Kevin Bacon. And Well, sure, know. sure, sure. You just got to dance. Just, yeah. Oh, here's a fun thing, a little random tidbit. So, um, you know, my, my parents presided over a mission way back in the 80s, right? It's one mm-hmm. of our, But one of our missionaries came. Apearently, he grew up in Payson, and he's an extra. In and Footloose? in Footloose, of there's a couple spots, and so um, he's he's in the lunchroom scene. You can't find him anywhere because it's whatever. But the, sure. the place you can see him, he, I, I've spotted him twice. One is when Kevin Bacon's character is coming into the, the parking lot and blaring the music in the school, cool. and there's this quick shot where some students just turn around and he's one of them. I'm like, that's Elder Sperry. I know him. <laughs> Still Jew is just, but yeah. Anyway, that's I, I love things like that where it's like, yeah. If you him. look real close, wait, wait, wait there. Heard it. Well, and then the other thing is, I my I grew. This is because of my mother because she wanted to make sure we are culturally literate. That's uh-huh. like her big thing for her. Um, and so I I was constantly brainwashing my children. You have to have seen this movie. Here's yeah. Star Wars. Here's ET. <laughs> Here's my childhood. Here's another you know, John Hughes movie. Whatever. And so I'm showing that, them Footloose. Brainwashing, like a, but I, okay. Right. <laughs> you know, just making sure that strong, they know these things. That's strong so, words. Oh, well, but I'll go with you. I'll go but, with you. So I showed them Footloose, of course. Um, uh-huh. And then I paused it to show them the Lehigh Roller Mills, you know, because they know that. The, the area looks nothing like it did then. Sure. Um, but they Completely recognize different. it. Completely yeah. different. Um, because I did that, I did not know this at the time, but because I showed that to them, they assumed this was a local, stupid, independent, tiny Utah movie. <laughs> About a week later, um, Megan comes to me and goes, Mom, I saw Kevin Bacon on the Today Show. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, he's huge. Footloose is a really big movie. He's, <laughs> I'm like, I know. Well, now I need to watch it again because I wasn't paying attention. I thought it was this dumb. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, kids, will you just trust me? Just <laughs> You call your mom. I failed as a mother. I'm like, I, uh... I just, I'm just like reaching the point of someday maybe my kids will just go, Mom knows what she's talking about. You know, and not just be like, oh, whatever, mom. But that's, I guess, what it means to be a mom and have sure. teenage kids. Right? It's so. it's part of what happens with being a mom. You know, it. whenever I um, DJ events down in Lehigh, I always drop the music down and say, now, kids, gather around. It's story time. Once upon a time here <laughs> in this town, they weren't allowed to dance. They, they weren't allowed to, to get together and to have fun. Anyway, so I sort of wax on this story and I go, and then until... One day, Kevin Bacon came to town and played this song, and then I'll play Footloose, and all of the parents are, oh, are crazy. Yeah, yeah they, they're like, "Oh, how funny!" And I'm like, "Trust me, kids. Ask your parents. It's a real story." And the parents go, "That was a that was a lot of work for that joke, Stedman. That was a lot of work for that joke." And I go, "Yep, but they appreciate always, it. Always is. Uh, just a couple quick things as we round this out. If you have not read the story about Brandon Flowers, um, 
talking about his testimony and why he remains to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a picture with him in the Young Men General Presidency. Um, he recently shared his testimony again. Uh, he says, I choose to believe because I have felt the Holy Ghost more times than I can remember, certainly more times than I deserve. I believe not because I've seen pillars of fire or pillars of light, but because my bosom has burned as if by fire and my path has been illuminated as if by light. I believe because every commandment I keep improves my life. And I believe because I remember. There's much more to mm -hmm. it. You can see the old I'm a Mormon, uh, although at the time it was allowed to say now it is not uh, i'm a mormon campaign where brandon flowers one of the most popular videos of that time and of that series you can see that uh and we'll leave a link for that in the show notes um also interesting too that uh there are changes announced to the tithes and offerings donations some categories have been discontinued for anyone who submits tithing and fast offering donations online uh some of the categories may look quite different now mm -hmm. um the new changes include a category called general offerings that will replace Book of Mormon, temple construction, perpetual education, and other discontinued categories. The other category will be renamed local, and the authorized member finance activities will be discontinued. So look forward to those changes online. And in 30 years, when your bishop goes through all of the donation slips that they had printed for the outside of the office because they bought them in bulk, and you still have two bishops ago's names on the envelopes. When they get through those, <laughs> the the printed version, I'm sure, will reflect those changes. I can't I I can't even tell you the last time I saw someone gathering fast offerings like door to door like we used to, mm -hmm. or someone handing off the envelope for the tithing or anything like that. I'm sure there are still people that do it, but even the older folks in my particular ward, all online. Oh, for sure. Well, and to the point where um, you know, one of my kids needed a check to pay for a passport, they you have to send an, an actual check. And she goes, can I pay you the money and you write me a check? I don't have a checkbook. Yep. <laughs> She's yep. married. Never, I'm like, yep. I'm like, yeah, but I still have a checkbook. You don't. That makes that's we're all online, guys. That's just what the word. Do you use checks going. very often? No, I yep. don't remember the last time I wrote a check. Aside yep. from that one. Yeah, it's been forever. I mean, I had to pay like uh, construction people in a check because I wasn't going to give them $30,000 in cash and Venmo allows me 3000 So right. there's something of that. But yeah, yep. though, though, I don't know that I'll ever use a check again because I'm not going to do construction again for a while. Uh, anything else that you have? The only thing was there's a really awesome feature about the artist Minerva Teichert um, and her work and her history is in the Desert News that we'll also link to. Um, and it, it's it's beautiful. I mean, it talks about you know her uh, studying at the Art Institute of Chicago and how her teacher said that this is your birthright. This is something that you need to do is, is to do your own art about your own faith. And she has, you know, her Book of Mormon paintings and her pioneer paintings and Bible paintings that have, they're ones everybody knows, recognizes, whether or not you know that's, you know that she's the artist or not. Um, mural in Manti Temple that, has, that is now going to be preserved, thank heavens. Um, she donated a bunch of her paintings to help pay for her kids' tuition at BYU. Um, no one was interested in buying her paintings back in the day. And so at the end of her life, she donated a bunch to BYU. Um, and so she, she was, it was kind of sad in some ways because she wasn't really appreciated during her lifetime. Um, but it's immensely appreciated now. Immensely. She's really one of my heroes. And one of her paintings is, I want a print of it someday. The one of Christ in the red robe. 
love that one. I want a copy of it someday. So, you know, we have, we have talked to some of the folks with the Tykert foundation and trying to get that. Uh, it's one of the relatives, I think, grandson who's doing a bunch of work for his grandma, uh, about her life and, and hopefully we can get that worked out to be uh, an interview episode of the cultural hall. Uh, quick things, Mark Chapman, if that name sounds familiar to you, Mm. he, uh, was extradited from New York upon release from prison for unrelated charges was recently charged in the 39th district in Maycomb County. This is in Michigan. It's a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or once upon a time was, um, he was charged with eight counts of second degree criminal sexual conduct and two counts of first degree criminal sexual conduct. Uh, he was a boy scout leader and member of the church. And as that continues, um, to go through, he has been charged, not yet sentenced. Uh, the chap, the charges that he faces stem from alleged abuse against two victims, um, when he was involved, uh, within his calling at the church with the boy scouts of America. So that is interesting. The guy, we talked about this a, a few articles of news ago who waved his gun at the Mormons. Uh, and I think that's what they what they said about him is that he waved a replica gun at the Mormons. And, you know, uh, he, well, he will be going to jail. Um, the missionaries, unaware that the gun only fired pellets rather than real, bullet, real bullets, fled in terror. Um, the two missionaries visited his home to spread the word about their religion. He told them that he was of the Catholic faith and that he would not be swayed waved a gun, cocked it, you know, waved it about, and now uh, going to jail. So that interesting. Uh, the man who taught a prime, who taught primary in a congregation in West Jordan has pled guilty to sexually abusing a girl from his ward. He had sleepovers at his home in 2008 with members of the primary. I, you know, guys don't, I, I don't, I, I, yeah, so much don't. And I, and I, I, I just, I, let me put it in my perspective as to not offend or do anything that would be, you know, a poor, I can't imagine sending a child of mine to an adult's house for a sleepover. Maybe, maybe a teenager, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe if I had had the talk with said teenager, Hey, these are the things. And, you know, I maybe, but even then, I mean, I don't have kids that are in the house anymore. I've got one who's 24 and he has a sleepover every night with his girlfriend. And that's great. Good for them. Right. Different thing. I, I don't know that were I to have a child now, I would ever allow that child to have a sleepover ever. Mm-hmm. You want a late night? Sure. You want that to was hang kind out? Of our policy unless you know? it was, unless it was like grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It, yeah. We kind of had a policy that we didn't use. We do late nights. Yeah. And, 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 we used to and do even family stuff. And I don't want to say that everybody's family, you can't be trusted and all these things. Right. I just feel like there's enough. You hear enough of these stories and these things occurring that you go, yeah, you know, I just, yeah. I just, I just, I just, uh. yeah, we actually even banned them with cousins at one point. I mean, cause we, we started out allowing cousin sleepovers and then eventually we're like, you know what? We probably should just ax them all together. Yeah. So uh, and then uh, last two things. One, the church first presidency encourages you to be safe this summer in your activities. There's a new letter to church leaders that says, hey, be safe. Do safe activities. Do them in, in an appropriate manner. Follow the guidelines that we have told you and that, you know, governmental leaders have you know given to you and, and do them in a Christ-like manner. And, 
and don't be horrible to one another. And, and you think that when you go out and pretend to play pioneer that you need to not drink water, drink water, among other things, it indicates. Uh, so you can find that letter. And then finally this. In the first ever approved LGBTQ demonstration on June 11th at Brigham Square, it was approved by BYU as a, a demonstration of love and support for members of the LGBTQ community. Uh, this uh, occurred as part of Pride um, Month, obviously, Pride Week, certainly. Madison Tenney, the founder of the Rainbow, Rainbow with a Y instead of an I, Rainbow, uh, helped plan the event and told the crowd about her experience at BYU after coming to terms with her sexuality on, on her mission, talked about what she felt like when she saw the Y lit up in rainbow colors, and uh, it is, in fact, and was, in fact, approved by uh, BYU to be able to have such a demonstration. So, uh, pretty interesting. Tons of news that we plowed through. Uh, I got to bounce. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative Creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801 699 3022 or visit lennondesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, it's time for our newly named feature. It's the Temple Ticker with Corey K. Ward. I've heard it reflected back. Uh, people seem to be drawing more toward the Pharaoh than Korahor. What with this being a uh, LDS church positive uh, show available in podcast form. So maybe that will change for now. I don't get to dictate your choices, but the Pharaoh, Corey Ward himself. Thanks for being here, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, now we, the Pharaoh doesn't have too many good words in the scriptures, so I don't know if that's good either. Well, but it's elusive. It's mysterious. It's, okay. it's uh, you know, it, it shows your potential, your power, your your future <laughs> godliness. If you make the right choices, if you make the wrong choices, Korahor is your future. So, of course, yes. yeah. <laughs> How have you been, sir? Doing great. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting time as we start to work towards uh, July when the church goes, meh, what are we doing? That's the, that's the family reunion time. We're not going to really do any of that. And so we're sort of, I don't ever want to say winding down because, you know, the work, no unhallowed hand, Corey. Of course, but, yeah. But it definitely seems like we're we're kind of through the the mayhem that seems to be the the first you know the spring of the year. But there has been some news recently, a couple groundbreakings that have happened in the temp for the church. Yeah, you got to get them in before that July July recess, I guess. So yeah, last um, Saturday, June eighteenth, there was two groundbreakings held at the same time. Um, the first, I guess, for time zone, probably the first one was in Smithfield, Utah. It was, it's, this is the second temple in Cache Valley and both Quentin L. Cook and Gary E. Stevenson attended. I think technically Elder Cook was the presiding person, but I, I haven't seen that before where two apostles go to the same groundbreaking. And with, with, with the uh, obvious thing being they're both Cache Valley boys. So they wanted to be there for their temple. Yep. They both born and raised there. So this oh. is the second temple in Cache Valley. Um, it's about 81,000 square feet. And this is the fourth temple in Utah that will have two baptistries. The Logan Temple doesn't have the two baptistries, correct? 
Not currently, but it's slated for renovation. So we'll see what happens in the future. So this is just giving an opportunity because it, it, you know, the cash Valley for people who don't know, it's a couple hours from, you know, Salt Lake, you've got the Brigham city temple, maybe closest outside of cash Valley, but it really, there's a lot of members of the church up there that have probably been like, Hey, you know what? The youth want to get in, they want to get through and to have that availability to, you know, essentially triple the baptistries there in the Valley. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. They reported this about 65% of the members. Uh, the population of the valley is members of the church. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Is it a fairly standard uh, design for Smithfield? Um, it's a newer design. It's the same design as the Linden Utah Temple, so kind of like a skinny rectangle, but it's it's a little bit newer. So, and then uh, according to time zone, as you <laughs> indicated, the next groundbreaking we go west. Yeah, this is in California, Southern California, Orange County specifically. Um, the Yorba Linda, California temple, um, the ground was broken. And this just came out like a week after the church released a new rendering of this temple. So the old rendering was probably released about a year ago, but when they went before the city council in Yorba Linda, they requested that the steeple be uh, shorter. Um, normally what the church does in these, in probably 95% of the cases, the church just gets a variance from the city council to just have a, a height, a height um, exception. Mm-hmm. But in this case, in California, they did not accept that uh, request. So um, the temple was redesigned. So this is a thing, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, it's like, you can't have anything over 200 yards or whatever, right? And we're like, hey, come on, allow us. And then the city or whatever the planning is, is like, nope, absolutely not. Bring us other plans. Otherwise, you can't build. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So they redesigned. This is uh, unique for this temple design because most of this this floor plan is fairly standard. There's probably like 20 temples by now that have this floor plan. But this is the first temple that will have the steeple kind of in the front of the entrance rather than in the center of the building. Hmm. And it's a Spanish Spanish colonial design. I would say um, they probably got inspiration from a few places, maybe like Stanford University. But there's also a, like a, a schoolhouse in Salt Lake, in South Salt Lake that looks pretty similar to this. And when I was uh, when I heard the news of this, I was actually in Boise, Idaho, and I had just went to go visit the old train depot. And this this uh, temple looks a lot like that train depot in Boise. Huh. What I love about what you just told me is when you went to Idaho to see a train depot, and that's why I love that you do the temple ticker because that may or may not be something that I would ever do. But I love that you're like, oh, like the old, you know, Columbus School in Salt Lake Valley in South Salt Lake, and it's similar, you know, to the train depot and you know some of those things. That's why we have you do what you do, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Um, another thing that I noticed, you may have not noticed, is that originally the church news quoted um, Mark A. Bragg, who was the the general authority who presided over the groundbreaking. He said that outside of Utah and Idaho, there's not another county in North America that that has two temples within its borders. But of course, everyone in the comments was like, you forgot Maricopa County, Arizona. There's Uh three temples there. So... Well, and then and then to add insult to injury, then you you go ahead and you list several other counties, you know, and what about Madison, Idaho? And what about eight Idaho and Washington, Utah and San Pete County and Cache County and now Davis County, Salt Lake and Utah County. Utah County has seven temples. There'll be seven temples in Utah County. Yeah. Wow. So this I, is on a site of a, a meeting house that was just demolished in Southern California near Belinda. So this is where the temple will be. And, and they're doing that in a few places. I know the Helena Temple in uh, Montana as well. It was a, a building that they just like 
people in the area, but my uncle lives up there and said, yeah, one time I was driving by and the church was gone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very fast process. Um, in, in that case, they're building a new stick center in this case in California, they're not going to replace the meeting house. Cause there's plenty of meeting houses in California that only have one or two wards meeting there. So they can easily just kind of say go elsewhere. Hmm. Uh, no other groundbreakings, uh, obviously since it's not around a general conference time, there's been no other announcements. Uh, maybe we go East to DC if we're going to continue in this false narrative of timeline. <laughs> sure. So this, the, the, looks like the open house finally ended. Um, I guess they didn't extend the open house like they said they would originally do. So the final guest count is 350,000 people attending. Wow. Wow. And they ended on June 11th and they had a rededication concert um, in the area. And then this week, uh, June 17th, the visitor center opened. Um, The visitor center has a cutout model. You may have seen this around other visitor centers, but you can basically see what the inside of the temple looks like. And they have updated the... um, the cutout model to reflect the changes in the interior. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Those cutout models are pretty fascinating when, if you can't go in, you're like, what is in there to be able to see that sort of dissection of them? That's pretty cool. Um, and and 350,000, do you think that that is more or less than they had hoped for? Well, the original in 1970, I think they got up to either half a million or three quarters of a million, something like that. Hmm. Um, I know that maybe back in the seventies, people were a lot more attuned to, maybe it was a new building. So people were more curious, maybe they were more connected to the community. And nowadays you kind of just kind of do your own thing. I don't know. Hmm. I, I also can't help but wonder that, you know, I don't think, and I don't know this, you would probably be one who would know it back in the seventies when the temple originally uh, was dedicated, they didn't allow cameras in and be able to sort of show all that. And there may be some people that had good intentions and say, Hey, they, they wanted to go down and check it out, but they could see the news piece that uh, was, was done. And then people were like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty fascinating. My curiosity is, is quenched. I'm good. Yeah. I think that's a viable alternative as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> for giving viability to that. Uh, what about dedications? Yeah. So also this last Sunday, June 19th, there was um, one dedication and one rededication that happened. The first one um, was the, well, actually, time zone, it probably happened first in Hong Kong, I'm guessing. Uh, <laughs> so it, that, it's a false narrative of timeline. That's all right. <laughs> I'll allow it. Well, um, the Hong Kong temple was rededicated. It was the originally the 48th temple. Um, so it was rededicated by Elder Gong. Um, it was very not, it wasn't covered that much by the media. There was just a very like a short article. They released a couple interior photos. Um, they also put some more interior photos on the church website. So uh, if you recall, I, I wrote an article about this and I updated my article to include those photos if you want to see them. And you can find the, a link to that in the show notes at theculturalhall.com. We'll provide that link for folks. Uh, it, it Was it downplayed because they don't want attention necessarily on the Hong Kong temple? That's what, that's what my idea is. That there's both COVID restrictions and also probably uh, the media has really cracked down on just religious freedom in, in general. So They're like, shh, but also it's open again. Yeah, that's what the... Rather than saying the article in the church newsroom, it didn't say Hong Kong Temple is rededicated. It says Hong Kong Temple will reopen. Like yeah. very like low key. But the, the rededication was streamed to members of the church in um, South Asia, like in Thailand, Cambodia, uh, India, Singapore. So all those countries are, are going to have their own temples soon. So that's something that's interesting. That's super cool. Uh, so then let's go. Are we going back now in the narrative of timeline? Well, actually, it should be forward because okay. the next one is the Praia Cape Verde Temple. 
It's number 173. Um, it was dedicated by Elder Anderson. And about 10,000 people visited this in its, I think, three-week open, two or three-week open house, including the president of the country. Um, it has two ceiling room, two rooms that can be used to either do ceilings or to present the endowment. So that's and th this is like the stuff. transformer room, right? It is, yeah. Which is pretty cool. And you scooped that before anyone else ever said anything about it. You were the first one to say, "Yeah, you know, you can change these rooms around." That's right. Yeah, I got some inside scoop on that before yeah. the Desert News got to it. Now, tell me where Cape Verde is for people who don't know. Yeah, it's on. If you know where like the Sahara Desert in Africa, it's that northern part. And then it, the part, the coast on the Atlantic Ocean, there's some islands kind of off the coast. And that's Cape Verde. And it's a Portuguese speaking country because it was originally a Portuguese colony. Uh, you'll have to you'll have to forgive, uh, you know, the pharaoh. It's Portuguese. If you talk to any <laughs> return missionary that served anywhere, when you say it's Portuguese, and they go ah, 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 a Portuguese. Yes, it's also Cabo Verde. It's not yeah. Cape Verde. So. <laughs> oh, well, now we're now we're getting all sorts of technical. Let, <laughs> yeah, let's, yes, sir. Let's move on. What about some uh, construction updates? Yeah, so two temples were renamed that have yet to start construction. The first one is the the very clunky Greater Guatemala City Guatemala Temple. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was renamed that Miraflores Guatemala City Guatemala Temple. Um, and so it's kind of in the center of the city. It's in this near this commercial area called Miraflores, even though it's actually located in the Roosevelt neighborhood. But I don't think they wanted to name a, a temple after Roosevelt. So yeah, yeah probably not. Or everyone would also assume the Roosevelt Temple would be in Utah. That's right. Yeah. And the other temple that was renamed, we discussed this last time. It was the Rexburg North Idaho Temple. It was renamed the Teton River Idaho Temple. Which is interesting. Uh, obviously, it's near the Teton River, but everything with the history of the, the Teton Dam disaster, you can guarantee that that will be part of the discussion of the dedication, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I looked on the floodplain map, and actually this area is just like it's kind of an island outside the floodplain so hopefully this temple will be protected if this ever happens again oh you know they noticed <laughs> you know they noticed they're like where if this happens again not saying that it will we're not predicting you know they haven't rebuilt the dam yet either so like there's sometimes there's discussions on rebuilding it but right now no hmm. it's also located three miles from the, the rexburg temple um they're both on the same street so if you just going down uh second east you'll go to the rexburg temple and then you'll just pass the teton river temple Interesting. And, and I would imagine, though, I'm going to ask the question all the same. There hasn't ever been two temples on the same street before. I don't think so. That's I don't know where it would be. I don't, yeah, yeah I don't know where it's not it in would Provo. Be. It's not in South Jordan. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. Uh, what else as we get to the, the end here of the temple ticker with the Pharaoh himself? I want to have like Pharaoh music if we decide to keep that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we talked about Angel Mornings last time as well. Um, the Urdendeta Philippines temple got its intermorning. This temple was announced way back in 2010 as anticipated to be completed next year. So that's a 13 year. How come, how come so long? Uh, it just took a long time to got, to get started and the construction kind of took long and there was a COVID, um, pandemic. And so I never heard just, of it. Didn't know. <laughs> it's kind of taken a long time. Yeah, um, but 13 years seems excessive, right? Like they maybe met some opposition or had to move some possible. things or like yeah, maybe, maybe they had a different site in mind and then they had to change it. 
because the ground was a wetland. I don't know. Yeah. Then they had to cover the foundation because the military came <laughs> That's to right. town. And then they found the foundation was cracked. All sorts of crazy things. It's not unheard of to take that long, but it does seem, you know, where we're where we're popping out in two, three years now, 13 seems excessive. Yeah. So there's just two more temples left to get into Moroni, South Argentina and Pueblo, Mexico. And then we're done, Moroni. Right. Uh, what uh, else? Anything as we round this out? Yeah, if you want to see these visual temple updates, I know LDS Living posted an update, but all they did was post um, social media posts from churchofjesuschristtemples.org. And so mm-hmm. this is, just go direct, don't go to LDS Living, just go directly to churchofjesuschristtemples.org. And they have a tab on the website called Construction Status. And it's the best website anywhere you'll find on the internet to find updates on temple construction. I need you to answer me honestly. Is it your homepage? <laughs> no, but I do go there every day. Yeah, day. I knew it. I knew it. And uh, the the guy is named that runs it is named Rick Satterfield. He spends a lot of time. He doesn't. I don't think he gets paid or anything. He's just it's just his hobby. He lives in Pocatello, Idaho. So, do you know Rick? Um, my mission president knows Rick. So, nice. well, you know yeah. what? Maybe when's your birthday, uh, Corey K. Ward? It's in August. Okay. Well, with your birthday coming up, I'm going to reach out to my connections and try and get a temple ticker with you and Rick. Oh, and that will be, be my birthday gift to you. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks for being here, sir. Yep. Thank you. I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. I hope that if you've been sick or afflicted, that you'll be well and be able to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at alpinelakestravel.com, Wandering Wheaton Ranch, Miracles, I Told You So, Rick McGee at Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, and Debbie Wanless will be saving a seat for you. On the back row. Of, of the, the cultural, cultural hall. hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the culture hall show.